Hello, beautifuls. Welcome back to Her Sexual Space Podcast. I am your host, Janice Leonard, licensed professional counselor and sex therapist in Texas and Colorado. In this episode, I am sharing a conversation that I had with Casey King. Casey and I connected through the Clinicians of Color, and she resides right here in DFW. Casey is a Navy veteran, parent of three, and a wife to a U.S. Navy service member. She is a licensed marriage family therapist and a relationship coach. Casey specializes in marriage, military families, childhood trauma, and working towards a sex therapy certification. She owns and practices at Lavender Healing Center, where she serves clients in Mississippi and Texas. Welcome to the podcast, Casey. How are you this morning? Thank you. Um, Thank you for having me. I am doing very well. How are you today? I am good. Just getting my morning started. Just had my coffee and um, hopefully after this I have some breakfast before I hit the gym. But I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm feeling pumped and I'm excited about our conversation today. Let's see how this goes because I haven't had my coffee yet. <laughs> wait, do you want to go grab your coffee? Because I can do that. <laughs> Look, I, I'm a little behind, but that's okay. I can wait. <laughs> awesome. Well, I hope you at least have a bottle of water next to you because I yes. know these conversations tend to um, go deep. So share with us, uh, for our listeners, um, how do you show up in the world? Oh my gosh. So I am a heterosexual um, black woman. I have been married to my amazing husband for 13, a little over 13 years now. Uh, We both are military. Well, I'm prior military, prior Navy, and he's still active duty. He's been in for a little over 22 years now. Um, and we and we have three children, moved around a whole lot, which is one of the ways actually how I believe I found my purpose by by moving so much. Yeah, <laughs> of course. And, and we're going to go into that. Yes. Interestingly enough, I think I found my purpose by, by moving so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why I feel like you're one of those, you're an expert. Like you, you know what that life is like. And I thought, who else would I have that conversation with? But Casey, um, so share with us a little about your business. So you talked about being able to find your purpose through the transitions that <laughs> come inevitably with military life. Uh, so share with me a little bit about how you were able to connect with your purpose during those transitions. You know, I think the first time for me where I know I fell in love with just relationships deeply was when I was stationed in the Middle East. It's so odd. I never would have thought that. I was stationed over there and I saw how the men from my worldview from being there, how they treated women, how they were in business their religion, everything, just their structure. I just saw things a little differently being out of the country versus what we see every day. That's normal to us. It's nothing new to us. We don't really pay attention to it. But when we go somewhere else and live in someone else's world, that's when we start to see things a little differently. So when I was stationed over there, everything, like I said, from the way they rear their children, from what I saw, from the way they practice their religion. And literally the whole world just shuts down. And they don't care if you are from here or not. 
the world shuts down. You will not go get ice cream at two o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> because we are celebrating Ramadan. Our women are covered. So their bodies do not be desirable by other men. And that is for their husband only. So just all of those things, I really, from there, and that was, I was there from 2000. Seven, the end of 2007 to 2009-ish, that's where I really sat back and was like, okay, this is different, but I like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what happened next? So from when there, you connected those dots. Yeah. You know, from, from there, I got out of the military and because I got pregnant, my husband came over later, which is another thing about military marriages. We'll talk about that. Yeah. My husband came over there later. Um, I got pregnant. I left because being over there, you can only be there for 20 weeks because you couldn't give birth there in oh. their hospitals. Okay. Certain places overseas, they, they have their rules in regards to that, even in the military on the ships. You have to be off the ships at least about 20 weeks so you can be somewhere where you can get quality care. So I left there, went to Florida. My husband came back a few months later when his time was up there. Then we got stationed in Mississippi and I was actually going to go to school to do social work. I knew I always wanted to help people. So I went to University of Southern Miss to go on the campus. I met this lady. Her name was Dr. John Furrow. I talked to her for a little bit. I'm looking for a social work. You know, where's that program? I want to sign up. And she kind of poached me, I believe. And she said, well, have you ever heard about marriage and family therapy? I said, no. I know about social work. (laughs) (laughs) So she told me about what that was. And I was like, that's exactly what I want to do. So I always tell people it wasn't something I found. I felt like it found me. Because I wasn't going there. I knew what I wanted, but I knew I was going to get it in social work. And this lady came along and told me about the amazing field of marriage and family therapy, which I never heard of because, you know, of course, it's still very new. That's where I knew this was it. This was it for me. I come from a very mixed family. I grew up in a house with my mom, my grandmother, my grandfather, my two first cousins. So it was a lot of us in the home. So I'm just used to family is who's there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Period. And not it. just who you were born with. And so I didn't grow up in a real nuclear family. Yeah. So I had a different lens of what family is anyways. So when she told me and presented that program to me, I just knew this was it. So from there, I enrolled into um, the bachelor's program first. And then I left there. We had to move, being military. Yes. <laughs> had to move. But I then went on to do my master's in marriage and family therapy. Amazing. <laughs> it, it's, it's sometimes it's a little crazy how everything's aligned, you know, everything aligns because you you were seeking that, but it seems like you were not very certain as to what that would look like. You knew like there was something that was pulling you in that direction and um, marriage and family presented itself. You know what? I tell people all the time, no matter what you're going through in your life, 
And it may not be the best way to say it, but I do feel sometimes you are where you're supposed to be. Because if these things had not happened, maybe had I not gotten pregnant, I would have still been overseas, wouldn't have had this opportunity to come across this lady and learn really about this. Who would have known what would have happened had I been in social work? I don't know. But I do remember one day this lady, she gave me this vibe about social work. It made me a little uncomfortable. I think that was her worldview of things because she said, don't do it. I remember she was coming in completely drained from work and I was on the gate at the time in the military. I said, you look tired. You know, how was your day? And she said, it was just a long day. I said, what do you do? And she said, social work. So I was like, oh, I'm going to do that one day. And she was like, don't do it. Still, years later, I still, you know, went to go do that because I firmly believe I will not be like that even though she painted it to be one way. But the interesting thing about it, that even after graduating with my master's in family therapy, led me to just the coaching aspect of it too, which is something else I never thought I would do. I never wanted to do that. Never wanted to do that. But I landed in a place, again, that found me. I didn't find it. And this is where I am, just because I feel that sometimes you just are where you're supposed to be. Yeah. So tell us about your two businesses. So you, like you just mentioned, you you started off with coaching, but now you also have your therapy practice. What is what does that look like? So for someone who probably looking on from the outside and they're not sure what the, the difference is and what having two of those businesses look like, can you can you explain that? Yes. And I think they both can be very beneficial. Mm-hmm. I've had clients that I've sent to therapy. <laughs> yeah. I've had clients that have come to me and they also have a therapist. So whenever I even get on a call with someone who wants coaching, have you ever done therapy before? Do you know what that is? Because I want to let you know for the purposes of this call, I am not your therapist. You will not be getting therapy from me. So I like to, I'm very structured and I'm also very ethical. Yeah. <laughs> um, on my exam, that's always my highest score with ethics. Um, so I always like to make sure I'm not crossing any lines. Yeah. So I, I like to tell them, you know, with the coaching, I will ask questions about your past to get a little clarity that will probably not go past our first call because from there we're implementing action. What do we want tomorrow to look like? We are not going into what happened to you, what happened to your mom, how did how did we get here? Let's go all this back history and deal with these emotions from that. That is what therapy is for. Therapy is really for the deep dive, for the healing. I do believe there can be healing and transformation. In, in coaching, but therapy is really where you want to heal. You want to come to coaching whole. You want to come to coaching whole. You want to come to coaching fully functional. Yeah. And I'm if ready for action. Yeah. Yes. And, re- and that's what it's about for me. Yeah. Ready for action. Are you ready to go? Let's go. Yeah. If you're <laughs> not, there's something you need to explore. Go explore with your therapist. <laughs> and I say it just like that. Interestingly, I got into coaching. I was, and I'm going to be very transparent here. I failed my exam quite a few times. 
we we had moved again from Mississippi. We had moved to Virginia. I remember holding my baby. I said, okay, I know what the hell I'm talking about. I know what I'm doing. Well, what am I going to do now? Because I moved from a job. I was doing um, therapy with um, children and adolescents who were sexually or physically assaulted. I was working in a children um, advocacy center. I was actually about to get a promotion, but we had to move. Oh, no. <laughs> yes, th- this is military life. I had done with all my licensing hours. All I had to do was pass my test. And by then I had failed it a few times and we moved. I actually was scheduled to take it again and we moved. So we get here. I have a two-month-old baby. So I'm like, well, what am I going to do now? And I sat with that. Then coaching came in and I'm like, I don't want to coach. I'm, I'm talking to myself. I don't, I don't want to coach. Why would I do that? <laughs> why, why would I do that? I'm a therapist. And something said, just go for it. You know what you're doing. You know the difference. You don't, don't do therapy, period. This is a conversation I have with myself as I'm holding my baby. You can still help people. You can still change lives as a coach. And I believe as a therapist, that's a coach, it's so much helpful because you can distinct between the, th- the two and I can tell them, hey, you need therapy. Yes. yes. Whereas <laughs> some coaches, well, I can do this. Yeah. No, no, no. You need therapy. Yeah. So I did that and I started my coaching practice in two days. Literally started my coaching practice when I say business license, LLC. I mean, I started it within two days and even had a client before I even had a website. So I felt again, that was something that found me because I just went on this journey. I really had no choice, by the way, being a military wife, but it was something I sat there and I always say, I got this from my old coach. It was like a spiritual download. <laughs> it was like, hey, you can do this. So I went on and I've been doing that for about two years. And over the past two months was when I said, okay, I'm, I'm ready to go. Let's get the therapy practice started. And sex therapy was something I've always wanted to do. I told one of my really good friends in grad school, I want to do sex therapy. I cannot, I don't know why. Well, I think I knew why, which is something I'm also trying to get out of my system saying I don't know because I do know. (laughs) So I said, I want to do sex therapy. So when I started my practice, I actually started the sex therapy before that. But my practice, Lavender Healing Center, interesting name, which I got that from my favorite color is purple. My grandmother's favorite color is purple, more specifically lavender. She passed July last year. So everything I do, I I think about her. How would she feel? How can I make her proud? What can I do to honor her and bring her with me? I love that. So, so what she's do I want of it? She of, is. I'm getting yeah. chills talking about it. So what can I do? What does lavender represent? And I love essential oils. I believe in a lot of things we have gotten away from, we can naturally go and heal ourselves in a lot of ways. So I love essential oils, lavender and lemon, and all those are really the basis for a lot of a lot of things. So that's where I got that name from, just the lavender and the healing properties of that. The also the color purple, amethyst, 
that is my grandmother's birthstone. So that's where that name, you know, comes from. And that's how that got started. And so doing that will be just like yourself being a sex therapist, working on those deeper issues of sex and also generational trauma as well. And where do we get our idea of sex from and what that is and how it affects our life and our relationships? So that's where the both of those came from. Yeah, and that's rich. <laughs> that's, that is rich. Yeah. 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 The, the, and my coaching name, Kay Salone, my great-grandmother named me after a doctor that gave birth to me. So Casey Salone, that was my doctor's name. So I talk about just relationships and it's connecting the dots. And my yeah. therapy practice is all rooted in family yeah. and relationships. Love it. Wow. Thank you so much for you know giving us that little bit of a, a deep dive, really, <laughs> into how you came up with. Sorry it took so long, but oh, I know. <laughs> You're good. You're good. So, you know, let's maybe, um, you know, just go back to military relationships. Yes. And, and since that's where, um, not where your, your passion first came from, because like you said, some of this was ingrained in you and in your yes. upbringing. Um, but let's talk about just the ways that military relationships differ in, in progression and maintenance compared to other relationships right? Maybe civilian relationships, if I can yes. say that. Um, take us through that. I'm going to tell you a quick story, probably in six seconds or less. <laughs> right now, my husband is not here. He's stationed in Virginia. He will be retiring next year. So we kind of moved ahead. The first year I got married, I told you that my husband came overseas with me. But what I didn't tell you is that I was already stationed overseas. I left and went to D.C. We got married. I came back overseas. He came nine months later. When we left, I left from overseas. He came two months later. Our daughter was born in March. He left for two. He left two months when she was two months old. He deployed for 10 months, came back. He was back for almost a year, left again for eight months. So he missed her first birthday. He came back. And left right before her second birthday, I think came back in time for her third, something like that. So our first at least four years together, we have been separated maybe about between 26 and 30 months. (laughs) So just want to kind of give you just a background. That is what military marriage is like. That is what military marriage is like. So does, how do you maintain that? Lots of communication, lots of, lots of communication, honesty, transparency, which in the beginning I was not really good at, but you, you have to be. You have to be open and honest. And I can say you have to be committed. Military marriage is not easy for the vast majority of people. One of the things I believe that made it work for us is because I'm prior military, so I know Mm -hmm. how it goes. You understand the system. Yeah. Yes. Someone else on the outside coming in and you're here, 
the baby's born. And my husband actually was going on a training because before military, before they deploy, they do training. So he was on a two-week field exercise. He left about two hours before my water broke. So I told him, why are you leaving today? I'm probably going to give birth. Well, he kind of had to go, but he's only going about 45 minutes, an hour away. So my water broke. I told him by the time he came (laughs) to the hospital, he literally came, dropped his bag. It was time for me to push. So with military marriage, you have to be very committed because he left two months later. I had to do that by myself. He missed pretty much the first year of our daughter's life. We've, and since then, it's been 13 years since we've been married. We've, gosh, about four deployments between us. And that's just as the deployments, but still the separations, like the separation now. It, you have to be very committed, number one. And say, hey, I'm in this. I know this lifestyle is not going to be easy, but I'm going to stay committed to the process to make it work. Because when we move, we don't always move to places we have families. I'm from Baton Rouge. I don't have, I didn't have family in Florida. Luckily, my sister-in-law was 45 minutes away. I didn't have family when I moved at 19 years old all the way over to California. So we really have to be, and I'm going to keep saying the word committed because it's so hard. It's so hard to... One, you, you're not having sex. <laughs> so that what that physical component that does bind us, yeah, you know, that's not there. Mm-hmm. How do you continue and build that intimate connection when someone who's at war and they're seeing things every day? People are, you know, passing or they're going on these dangerous convoys. They can possibly get blown up. So it's sorry listeners, <laughs> but this is the truth. So it's that anxiety. And my husband during those times had been, at, I think I was Iraq twice, Afghanistan and Kuwait. And that was during the height of, you know, this past war in 2009, 10, 11, 12, 13. So a lot was going on during that time. So to maintain that, you really have to create some type of structure because of the time changes, stay committed to the process, stay in constant communication and be honest about when you're doing good, when you're not doing good, what you need help with and also being empathetic to each other's situation. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's heavy because there's so many themes coming up there that, I would love to dive into. But, <laughs> it's it's be, a lot. <laughs> yeah, so many different themes coming up here. But I wonder, as you see clients in your, um, I imagine, right, you probably attract a lot of military um, yes. spouses and, and, you know, personnel too. Um, how do you begin to tackle the issues that come up with deployments? Because it affects the family. It affects the family. It affects children um you know i mean <laughs> i cannot even begin to think of all the the domino or you know the domino effect that that happens how do you begin to 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 work with with a client when they're and struggling I'm, yeah i'm glad you said that because i didn't even mention the children it's hard i mean i have i have three children 
So it's hard. One thing I do, even though they come to see me because here's someone that understands who gets me because they live this life. I never say I understand because maybe our situations are different. Yeah. Maybe your child has special needs. Maybe you have twins. Maybe you're disabled. I know plenty of spouses who had disabilities and couldn't do certain things and needed their husbands to help them do that because they had no family around, but their husband was deployed. So I try to listen first and give them that space and try to understand from what they're telling me because we we both have a general understanding of how you may feel of what you are going through, but it's still not always the same because our circumstances are different from household to household. So for one, I try to say, Oh, I understand. I feel you because I actually may not. And it may be disrespectful to say so. So I try to definitely give them that space they need and tackle it from there. The common issues you see also, sadly, outside of just the communication and the children, I've seen children that have had um, been physically and sexually abused in the military. Dad was on deployment. Mom is breaking down. I don't, what do I do <laughs> with, with no help, with nobody? How do I do this by myself? Which is why I say, I don't always say I understand my kids haven't been through those things. So I really just try to give them space and ask them, what do they want to tackle first? What what do they want to tackle first? How are they feeling and how can I help them in the moment? As coaching is one thing, but as a therapist, I always let them know, hey, you're in charge of this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Let me know where to meet you. Mm-hmm. I love and that. And we can go from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the children is a hard one. As parents, we don't like to break down in front of our children. Mm-hmm. So they see it as, oh, it doesn't bother you. You have it all together. <laughs> me, and I did that a lot in the beginning. I didn't want them to see me cry. I didn't yeah. want my kids to see me having all these feelings. The crazy thing is, as I started experiencing more death of family members, I was like, I just can't wait to take a bath and cry. <laughs> Sometimes I'm going to cry when I'm cutting up peppers or while cooking dinner. And so I've had to have a conversation with them that if you see me sad, it's not about you. I miss dad or I miss whoever. So I've learned with kids as early as possible to be honest with them. So when they have those feelings, they don't feel weird. Oh, mommy doesn't cry. Our dad doesn't cry. Well, what am I crying for? So I have to know those feelings you're feeling are normal. If you see me cry, it's okay. So I, I want you to be able to do that too, if that's what you feel. I love that you normalize it, especially yeah. around grief. Because sometimes I see kids... Children, teens who come in and um, the family's going through grief, but, you know, mom is handling it one way and, you know, they feel like the emotions are not valid. You know, it's not, 
it's, it's not what we do, right? Because right. I don't see mom doing that or dad isn't showing any emotion. And it's confusing. It is right. so confusing. It is. And I've learned to let myself feel whenever I need to feel. <laughs> if that's when the kids are around, then darn it, y'all just going to see it. And I'm going to tell you what it is. Because I you know what it is. You know yeah. how to label that emotion. <laughs> yeah. And I believe we should do that a little more yeah. because that's where they learn it from. So when they're having a moment, what are you crying for? What's going on? What are you feeling? They're being, they're able to express that because you've taught them how. Exactly. That's why sometimes when our kids say, I don't know, people lose their shit because it's like, they really don't know. <laughs> Yeah. You haven't given me vocabulary for all of those feelings. Right. I don't know. Right. And and for me, which is why for me, I am learning and getting better at not saying that. Because for me as an adult, I'm like, okay, Casey, you do know. Just sit with it for a minute and figure out why. Oh, why are you saying you don't know? But are you scared to use the words? Are you fear of what? You know. Just sit there with it and talk about it. So even now, my son says, I don't know. I said, well, maybe you do know. And if you don't, that's fine. Just think about it. And when you feel like you can explain it, let's talk about it. Yeah. I love that. I absolutely love that. So let's get into what does a healthy military relationship really look like because I Ooh. see <laughs> I see a lot of different sides of it and um, like you said I'm not in it so what does that look like so you've talked about some of those you know key things you know yeah. honesty communication transparency vulnerability even yes what does a healthy relationship look like with the military you have to be okay with the separation. For right now, I have so many states <laughs> and thousands of miles between my husband and me. <sighs> but we're in a very healthy space because we make the time for each other. We definitely make sure we make the time for each other. We hold space for each other which is why I say a lot of times he's not close, but he's close. Mm-hmm. He's there when I need him. So a, a healthy military marriage is really, because you're not going to always be there. But are you there when I need you? Are you there for the moments I need you? And not just physically, because we really need you mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. Yeah. Especially, you know, the mental and the emotional Because we have it said in our minds, because we have to, that when they leave, it's a possibility they may not come back. It's a possibility they may not come back. So that's something every spouse has in the back of their head. We don't care where you're going from, where you're going to. Whether you're going to Cuba, Florida, Djibouti, anything can happen. So... For a healthy military marriage, I see it as really making sure you give each other that space. 
Yeah. The space really to feel because our spouses go through, our military members go through so much. Mm -hmm. They see so much that they don't even talk about. And I know this just from being in the military. So I know what it's like. But also a lot of things we hear on the news is way worse than than um, what's being told. So not only give them to space the space to feel when they are going through things, but also holding that space, you know, for them every day. Yeah. That's what that's what makes it healthy. Making sure you're on the same page. Making sure you're having conversations about the important things. Making sure that no matter where you are, you're both parenting together. Yeah. Making sure that when they come back, they feel comfortable. And even when they come home every day, because they're not all deployed, but when they come home every day, that they're comfortable and you're holding space for them. Yeah. You're creating time for the family. Mm-hmm. You're keeping the children updated on what's going on. A lot of times we like to keep things from our children <laughs> mm. and we act like they don't know. Yeah. But they really do know. Yeah, they have conversations with their friends mm-hmm. or their siblings in the other room. They know what's going on. So I think for just a healthy um, military relationship, you have to keep all parties involved. Yeah. And just abreast to really what's going on. I know one thing the military always says when it comes to deployments, the kids come to the meetings, not just the husbands and the wives. Yeah. The kids come too. Mm-hmm. So we keep everybody involved. Yeah. Therapy is an option mm-hmm. if you need it. We yeah. don't recommend it. <laughs> mm-hmm. to, to stay healthy and to stay sane, you, need, you really need it. Yeah. You and also I can say lastly, for a healthy military relationship, you need a network. That's what I was gonna ask about support system. Yeah. You need a mm-hmm. network. I did not have that early on. I think because I maybe I just didn't do the work and seek it. Yeah. You you have to have a network. So when you look at just a military relationship, to me, it's not even just who's in your house. Mm-hmm. But what do you, who do you have on the outside? Yeah. That's what you're connecting with. Yeah. Yes. That connection Mm -hmm. is everything. And I know for the Navy, they have a program called um, the FRG. Um, It's called the Field Readiness Group. Mm -hmm. You go to that group really like about a month or two before the deployment. They talk about everything that's going on, what you need to know. They introduce you to the people who you need to be in contact with. When your spouse deploys, they'll have the, the, the therapist on base come in and talk and just give you all these tools and tips. And even during the deployment, the spouses get together each month with the kids and meet for a meeting. Bring Everybody brings a dish. We'll do activities. The last month, the last month of the deployment, we all create our signs together. So you definitely have to have a community in order for it to be like healthy. You have to have someone there that holds you up. Yeah. And even those group chats, you know, one of my clients has mentioned having this text group where all the wives check in, you know, have we heard from yes. them? How are they doing? <laughs> that is so yes. good. This, 
when I was in Mississippi, I believe it was, they had started this thing where you would have like a battle buddy, which is another spouse. And I think it was a, it actually wasn't a battle buddy. It'll, it'll be like a secret sister or something. Each month at the beginning of the month, you'll go put something on their doorstep. Just some type of gift, whether it's a candy or a flower or a gift basket. And you meet that person who gave it to you at the end of the deployment. <laughs> so, so it's sweet. such a nice thing just to open your door at the beginning of the month. And someone says, hey, I'm thinking about you. And at the end, you meet that person that's really just been showering you with these amazing gifts and support, all of this stuff. So definitely having that community is so important. Yeah. I, I love that. Thank you for mm-hmm. giving a lot of our listeners some um, insight too as to what that looks like, right? Yes. I know no one talks about openly what all of that can be. All right. Yeah. So what does sex look like? <laughs> so for couples before, after, before, during, and after, what what is sex? <laughs> Ooh, let's talk about the sex. All right. <laughs> it it varies because it's so much going on. Your spouse can be gone for a certain period of time. They can be home for a certain period of time. So it really just depends. One, where your marriage is. I'm going to be honest there and say one, where your marriage is. Where does your connection lie? That's important. Because there's a lot of people that have really great sex lives in the military and uh, also a lot that don't. And the thing that's missing really is the connection. So that connection is important, military or not. But one thing I can say specifically for the military, I can say during while your spouse is there, you know, definitely healthy. And again, depends on what your household is like, but probably around that deployment time, a lot of people are really trying to get it in. <laughs> there are there there are a lot of babies, a lot of pregnancies. You was a lot of pregnancies during deployment <laughs> because it's something about that last two three yeah. months before, before your spouse leaves. <laughs> and even the idea of yeah, like what if I don't get this again? What if I never yeah. get to smell you and touch yeah, you? Right. So we take those moments and really make sure we're intimate and have that time together. Because when your spouse is gone, what does that look like? A lot of women, because of the stress of now doing it all, don't have time for self-pleasure. Don't think about self-pleasure. Don't think about video sex. Don't think about doing other things. Because when I talk to you, I am glad to see you. But I got to tell you about what Chris did. I got to tell you about what Sarah did. We got to talk about these bills. We have to talk about, <laughs> you know, all these things. Yeah. So a lot of times, even during the deployments, during the phone calls and video calls, we aren't even talking about sex, mm-hmm. intimacy, not as much as we should. Yeah. So there's a lot of time spent before the deployment, really trying to be physical and intimate and having that connection because you don't know what's going to happen when they leave. And you want to leave on a good foot. You want to leave in a good place. Yeah. 
Of course. You want to leave with your marriage in a very pleasant place. I can say after deployment, it really depends. You always, and I see this a lot with military men, you would think they want to come back and dive into sex. <laughs> That's not always the case. Yeah. And a lot of times in their I mind, mm-hmm. a lot of times in their mind, they think about when I get back, I'm going to dive into sex too. They may think it's going to happen, but when you get back home, home doesn't always, home is really where your family is, but it doesn't always feel like that when you're walking back in yeah. because you're coming from Afghanistan, you're coming right. from Kuwait, you're coming from, even if you're on a ship and you deployed, you probably hit about quite a few countries. You coming back and you have to get your settling. Yeah. You have to get back settled. You have to get your mind right. Mm-hmm. One, I'm glad I'm back here. Two, where's the freaking sugar? <laughs> Three, what time is it? What's your schedule like? Is this my family? Because a lot of times you really don't feel like you're coming back to your family. So much changes in six months. Yeah. Your favorite color changes in six months. Your kid's shoe size changes in six months. Their their interests change. So I don't even feel like I'm in this family. Mm -hmm. I need to play catch up. So sometimes, and then the stress comes, you're still stressed out. You don't come from deployment and now you're back here and it's like, life is great again. No, your mind is still over there. What happened over there? You were close with a lot of people for six months every single day. Yeah. So sometimes sex doesn't happen right away. And sometimes even if it does, it's often an escape. Yeah. So what it sounds like we're getting our body and mind back to homeostasis. Back yes. to that space where from that place now I can reintegrate. Now I can, you know, get back to the day-to-day life because that is totally different when you're, yeah, when you're deployed. It it feels good to, mm-hmm. one, get back, to see your family. You're so happy. You're so overjoyed mm-hmm. to see your family. I've been in those things so many times and just see people just running up and hugging their kids. Yeah. I mean, very emotional. Mm-hmm. You're so happy to see them. Then you get home, like, okay, I'm home. So how, yeah, how do I fit back in this place? Because, you know, you have your thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, we have our thing and our structure and you have to want, how do I fit back? I'm going to sit back and watch and see how do I fit back in this family? Yeah. Where do I, where do I go? Also, we have to keep in mind, this person may have been, you know, have come back from some stuff. Mm -hmm. So we have to give them that space too. So the sex is, we want to have sex. It feels great to feel somebody and hold them and touch them and be intimate with them. Think about not seeing your spouse for being a hold them for six months and how do you go back and just dive into sex <laughs> after six months? Yeah. It's almost new again. You may have that performance anxiety and, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and all of that. So it's it's so different. You have to like really get back in the groove again, almost like courting. Yeah. But when you say hold, you know, hold space and, and make space, because I am imagining a person who has been holding on for 
X amount of months or X amount of time and um, your person comes back and, and that's all you, you crave. And, you know, I have seen clients who felt isolated when their partner comes back because yes. there is no intimacy or there's no, well, I'm excited to see you. Are you excited to see me? Yes. You know, so what, what can that look like, right? When you yourself are struggling with, how do we get back to us? It's hard because number one, you feel rejected. You feel rejected. You don't feel loved. So a lot of times as women, women think, well, what happened over there? Is there somebody else? Did you, women, <laughs> you know, think this, oh, what's wrong with me? You know, do you not desire me? Is there something we need to talk about? Our mind goes to so many different places. Uh, one thing I, the only reason I have never done that is because again, I've lived the military mm-hmm. experience. Yeah. <laughs> but for those who haven't, they don't understand that part of it. We don't know what they see. We don't know what they go through because as wives and some husbands, because a small percentage of spouses are male, we're living our normal. I'm not going to say normal, but our spouse is not there. But we're still doing, taking the kids to school, fixing breakfast, helping with homework, going to work, cleaning houses. These soldiers are somewhere sleeping in tents, some places having to throw out their poop, having to stay on guard, working 12 hours, 12 hours off, then 12 hours back at work, staying vigilant, making sure no one attacks. Their mind is on alert. Their anxiety is high. So when they come back, we can't expect them to just calm down. (laughs) When you're expected for six months, and for the Army, it's a year. I know one lady, I just talked to her. We talk a lot, actually. Her spouse just left and he's coming back. He's been gone about two months now. He'll be back in 10 months. So that's a whole life transition. So, yes, I love you. We talk every other day, duh. <laughs> you know, but I still have to come back and get used to you. And I say this to spouses who are listening this has nothing to do with you. We feel like it does because what we feel is rejection. We may feel someone who's cold-hearted, someone who's angry, someone who won't touch us. So we think it's about us. And 99% of the time, it has nothing to do with us. Their mind has to process. They have to, when we talk about reflection and daily reflection, this takes months for them. Many of them, need to go to therapy immediately. (laughs) And the vast majority of them don't go at all. Yes. So that's what I know. That's what I'm seeing and hearing. (laughs) But there are reintegration. I know there are chaplains or people um, placed in those positions to provide that support. You know, so, you know, I was going to ask, like, do you feel like anything else is needed? Because I know these avenues are there, but I wonder if there's, other reasons why persons might not use it or seek it out. The support is there. I can say that. I always, I'm a firm believer in that it's something that should be mandatory. You know how jobs have EAP Mm -hmm. and the military does have 
an EAP, their EAP, what they have EAP like is really 12 sessions. Yeah. But it doesn't deal with trauma, anxiety. No EAP is short term. Mm -hmm. I do feel that it should be more mandatory that they have to go, but the militant doesn't make it mandatory. They say we have resources. We have a therapist on base. We have the chaplain. We have all these things. But the part that frustrates a lot of military members, I don't want to go see someone on base because like I'm going home. Mm -hmm. Right. So if I say something to them, are they going to tell my command? Yeah. If I'm having these thoughts today, Am I going to be able to come to work? If I'm having these thoughts today, am I not going to get promoted? Yeah. This is what There's they a think lot about. at stake. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's a lot at stake. So a lot of military members won't go to therapy because fear of what happened to their career. Because as a therapist, we do have the responsibility. If yeah. you say anything about self-harm, <laughs> you know, we have a job too. Yeah. <laughs> And the military, they understand that. And they're like, we have a job too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't lose my job. So I'll just go to work daily with my trauma because I don't want them to know that coming from over there, I have PTSD. So like me, I was in the military. I was an MA. It was a master at arms, um, like military police. So if I come back from over there and I want to alert and I'm scared and I have anxiety, but well, we can't give you weapon. Well, I didn't say I was going to do anything to anybody, but your anxiety is too high and that's in your record and see what that, and how does that affect your career and where you're able to go to next? And so all of those things come into play. So military is like, yeah, I don't want to go to therapy because they're going to report it to my command. Like how dare I feel these feelings? They're normal feelings from the circumstances, the circumstances I've been in, but the therapist hearing it, it's not normal or it's like a red flag, I need to say something. Yeah. And if so, I don't, because I mean, suicide rate is high too. Right. So, <laughs> and so they, they yeah. really suffer in silence. They, and I remember one time specifically, my husband came back home. We had a really big argument. It was partially my fault. Probably the only time I've ever been wrong in our marriage. Um <laughs> And he and he did something. I was like, oh my gosh. Later on, when I really got into mental health, I knew it came from a state of anxiety. That that it was PTSD. I didn't know that then. I was 25. I didn't know that then or know what that looked like. I'm like, geez, you're angry. It was like not that deep. But he was angry. Now, he didn't yell at me or anything, but he was angry. So I'm like, this guy is tripping. What is wrong with him? But later it comes out, it was, it was just his reaction to the trauma that he's been through while he was overseas. So a lot of times we look at like, what's wrong with me? What did I do? Why don't you want to hug me? Why don't you want to do whatever? Where your long brown hair may remind me of this little girl I seen that had long brown hair and she was suffering from this or whatever. We had to rescue her from here, whatever the case may be. So we often feel like it's not about us as spouses. Well, we feel like it's about us when it really isn't. So we really have to, I think one thing I did with my husband, hey, well, do you want to talk about anything? And if he says 
No, I kind of leave it at that because they really try to protect us and keep us from those gory details. Yeah. But it is hard. It is definitely hard with military and getting them into mental health. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I definitely see a lot of that. And, you know, I was just wondering from your angle, right, just what some of that looks like. But I, I know the resources are there, but it, it seems like, yeah, like you said, there's just a lot at stake. And, um, yes, you know, yes. but, but it, I hope it, that it, there are ways they can they can sense or pay attention to behaviors, actions, you know, things that might um, indicate, you know, if someone might just need some time off or. Um, right. Yeah. Right. And what a lot of military members do when maybe like two months before they come back, they start putting in their vacation. Mm. So, and of course everybody can't take it. Some of them have to go back to work, mm. but a lot of them put in their vacation. So when I get back, I'm going to work Monday. I'm off. I'm off for a month. I'm off for two weeks. So a lot of them do that mm-hmm. right after deployment. So I can take a break. Yeah. Whether it's take a break with my kids and my family so we can travel. So I don't have to be at work. I've been with the same people for six months to a year. Or I just want to sit at home and breathe and figure out what normal is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We've, we've covered a lot here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I wonder, any any final words uh, for our audience, you know, anything else on, on pleasure or breakup proofing, you know, their relationships, um, anything else on that? Yes. When it comes to breakup proof, I always say communication. I'm just going to say that I'm just, I'm going to coin myself as a communication expert. <laughs> <laughs> Only because I used to be a horrible communicator and I've yes. had to really learn yeah. being constant communication with my spouse. I don't even say it's my spouse. I say it was me. I was not a great communicator. Mm-hmm. And I saw what it did to my marriage and what it did when I learned to be great at communication. Yeah. So constant communication, that builds a connection. Mm-hmm. That build, helps build the connection that you desire. Also being understanding of their feelings and not pressuring them, not pressuring them. We can get very frustrated if we're not sexually fulfilled, mm-hmm. <laughs> but having that conversation, how are you feeling? What are you going through? Yeah. Why did it last two minutes? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. Maybe it's some anxiety or some underlying depression there, or I can't focus. Mm-hmm. So I think also to, just maintain that pleasure and maintain that connection, understanding that not all sex is perfect and has to be 20, 30, 45 minutes. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's just that feeling of each other can be enough. So not going in expecting, <laughs> you know, 45-minute sessions. I don't know who loves those things anymore before. <laughs> um <laughs> You know, as the birthday special. Look, that's that's it. Happy New Year, (laughs) Merry Christmas. Look, that's it. I'm 30, and I have three kids. Look, can we look? We don't have time for look. I don't need 20 songs. (laughs) You know, but definitely, you. I, I think for me, breakup proof is always just. 
keeping a connection going. Even when you feel it's not going, have a conversation about why it's not going. What needs to happen? Do we need a therapist? Do we need to figure out what's sexually going on with us? You know, you have sex therapists for this reason. Why my libido is low or why I can't get wet or why you've been gone for so long, why we can't find that spark again. That's what these people are in place for and to help you do. So just for me, final words on that, always check your mental health where you are mentally. We look at the purpose of sex is for pleasure and fulfillment, but also is it for escape? You don't want to remember what you came from as far as deployments go. So you're trying to avoid that through sex. So are we taking advantage of our partners in that way? So, and just really trying to be spontaneous with, you know, keeping that spark alive. And also when you're deployed, phone sex is great. (laughs) <laughs> and pictures I hear spouses yeah. say that you know they often ask for pictures and mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yep pictures or even when you're on video just have a video session while you're in a tub I, I still do that now I just I'm comfortable with my husband so it's not even a thing where I'm gonna do a video of you in the tub no here this call I'm in a tub and we'll talk <laughs> you know so just little certain things to really you know keep that and keep that spark yeah. And I also think, um, you know, sensate focus, which is also a sex therapy technique. Yeah. I feel like that might be a good place because when they've been apart for, you know, that amount of time reintroducing, right. Just the basic touch and going through maybe and an, typically it's seven weeks until you can have intercourse again when you're doing the exercise, mm-hmm. but you, of course they can tweak it to their liking, but I love that they can go through a lot of these communication and feedback and, you know, figuring out what you're enjoying a little bit more because there's a lot of touching exercises and a lot of sensation play and no genital touching, you know, until like the, for the weeks further on. But um, I think that could be really great to maybe take out intercourse um, for a little bit. Yeah. We forget that, Touching is such an art. Mm-hmm. We think we need to just explore with our penises and vaginas. Yeah. And that physical, just just touch with the hands or the mouth and really to explore and learn. Yeah. You would learn so much about your partner without having intercourse. Mm-hmm learn so much about their likes and dislikes and Mm -hmm. fetishes and all these things. You can really learn so much. Let's just take intercourse out. I I think that would be great, especially after a long deployment. Let's just take that out and let's just be with each other. Let's just touch each other. How does that feel? Mm -hmm. Does that make you uncomfortable? And really starting to square one and getting to know each other again, mm-hmm. getting to know our bodies again. So I think like sensei focus, I think we all need to do that anyways. Yeah. I, I feel like every relationship can benefit from a reset sometimes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Oh my goodness. This was a rich conversation. I hope we're talking to somebody. Yes. <laughs> 
Yeah. So tell our listeners about your your practice or where they can find you for maybe coaching, where they can find you for therapy. And also you have your own podcast that you you co-host. So if you want to tell them a little bit about how they can connect with you and also how they can buy your products because you have conversation cards. Yes, yes. <laughs> so so tell, tell, tell the listeners all about that. <laughs> yes. So you can find me. I do have a podcast. Um, my co-host Sparkle, Living in Love 24-7. We talk about everything love, marriage, relationships, parenting, everything, really self-fulfillment. Mm-hmm. You can find me on I am Coach Casey. That is my my Instagram handle for my coaching business. Also Lavender Healing Center on Instagram um, as well. I see clients in Mississippi and in Texas. Also my products, yes, couple conversation cards. I started those because I feel like we're not having a lot of honest conversations in our marriage. I see a lot of people saying, well, you're not what I thought you were. I thought something was different. I thought something would change when we got married. I don't know why people think that. But I thought when we got married, you would stop doing certain things. So I came up with this this idea. We need to have these couple conversation cards to really have open and honest conversations in our marriage. Also, before we get married, do we talk about finances? Do we talk about really sex? What pleases you? Do we talk about parenting, religion, like everything? So these couple conversation cards are really for you to dive deeper in your relationship. And so you can get those on my website, ksalone.com, K-S-A-L-O-N-E.com. And I also have my workbook, Five Senses of Love, um, which is there's physical copy and e-copy. And Five Senses of Love really just talks about love just from different stages. What are you seeing? What are you hearing? What are you feeling? You know, and yes, all of those. So you can definitely find that on my website. It's so cool. <laughs> I'm so glad that you actually have, you know, those tools, right? That, um, you know, they can use to begin uh, digging into and investigating just, you know, some of those patterns um, that show up you know, on ourselves and in our relationships. So thank yes. you so much. I definitely appreciate having you here with us today. And, um, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. Thank you for enjoyed. having me. This was really good. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed this conversation. It's not one that I have very often, especially um, pertaining to military. And I know we had talked about what we would get into. And I just thought, yeah, this is where this is where you have a lot of your experience. So why yes. not? Why not? Yes. <laughs> I loved it. Thank you. Yeah. So to our listeners, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like to support the podcast, please share it with others. Post about it on socials and leave us a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can check out our new website at www.sexualspace.com or you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Her Sexual Space and Her Sexual Space Podcast. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>